I was definitely lacking in self-love and, and as I said, Totally Wild kind of masked that for, for quite a while and um, in a way I'm glad it did because I could just be young and enjoy myself and be creative and have fun so I'm glad that I got that and um, I'm also glad that I went through the bad stuff because it got me to where I am today. Welcome to Claiming Your Confidence, the podcast. I'm Katrina Blowers, and as a journalist, speaker, and mentor, I know what it's like to have confidence. I also know what it's like to have to dig really deep and find it all over again. I've interviewed hundreds of high-profile people, and this is what I know for sure. We all suffer fear, imposter syndrome, and self-doubt, no matter how shiny our life appears to be. So let's reframe the confidence conversation together and uncover the hacks and secrets to get more of it. Claiming your confidence starts now. If you grew up in Australia in the 90s, chances are you also grew up watching Faye Delante on the TV show Totally Wild. Now she's dreamed up a brand new career for herself as one of the most recognisable, sustainable stylists with her blog Fashion Hound. And she's also created a huge eco-fashion movement as a thrift store advocate with her work as an ambassador for the Salvo stores. In this episode, you'll learn the power of of reinventing yourself, the life-changing magic of meditation for more confidence, and how having the courage to follow your heart can lead you to your purpose. So let's claim our confidence with Faye Delante. All right, let's begin. Faye, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me. What a pleasure. I love what you're doing. We met during a, a news story. I've always been really aware of you and I feel like we may have met during the, the time that I had in Sydney working in the media, but we met properly when you we did a news story together where you were um, uh, launching a, a boutique for the Salvos up here in Brisbane and then you very charmingly roped me and my daughter into being models in one of your catwalk shows. Was it charming or was it? <laughs> I couldn't say no to you Faye. Well that's good that's what I was hoping. <laughs> so one of my first questions that I ask everyone just to set the scene for people listening and in this case I really want to know what your answer will be because I ask everyone what are you wearing and where are you right now? So I am wearing a um, sort of Edwardian style dress um, with tights and I may or may not have Ugg boots on because <laughs> I am at home in my lounge room and my delightful husband is sitting next to me being very quiet. Um, <laughs> hello, Lee. Katrina <laughs> says hello. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so um, I am at home in our beautiful apartment in Paddington in Sydney. Oh, how divine. Now, I'm sure many people will remember your name because people grew up with you because you were 15, I've read, when you got your first gig um, for Totally Wild. Or had you been working in TV or in the entertainment industry before that? No, that was my first official um, job in television. I was doing lots of... Um, training on the weekends you know going to acting school and things like that but it, and you know a few little bits and pieces here and there but totally wild was my first professional 
foray into the media and quite unexpected, um, but I think, you know, perhaps not. Perhaps it was already in my soul and I knew, but, um, yeah, it was just unbelievable to have that opportunity. So I started when I was still on work experience. Gosh, did you have to audition or what happened? Well, it was kind of an unintentional audition. Because I was there on work experience, they actually needed somebody to be in a story which was about tandem skydiving because the presenter at the time didn't want to go skydiving because she didn't <laughs> she didn't want to look silly because I don't know, you know, for people listening out there, if you've ever been skydiving, it's not really your sexiest moment. You know, your lips kind of go over your face and it's like, hair goes everywhere and it's just, it's it's not very cute especially on television so um I think she was a little self-conscious about that and so they asked me if I wanted to be the person in her story that skydived and so I literally jumped out of a plane and it was sort of the catalyst for me getting my job because the lady that became my boss the executive producer um said to me wow if you're that brave then you know, I'm going to give you a job. So given we're chatting about confidence, you had to really suck it up and have confidence to get your very first opportunity. Absolutely. And my dad always instilled in me, you know, you he really believes in, in the hustle in the sense of if you really want something, you've got to go get it, you know. And, and he always said to me, you know, kiddo, if that's the land that you want to play in or the land that you want to live in, then you need to look for opportunities. They may not be initially what you want to do, but just play in that land and see what happens. And so they actually initially offered me a job as a production assistant. And so it was just, you know, opening the mail, answering phone calls, all those things. And then um, when my boss went out to introduce me to my to the team, she introduced me as the new presenter. So she kind of surprised me as well. Um, so it was, yeah. it was just wild, like literally. Yeah, so that's kind of how it started. And I'm so grateful for that job because it taught me the art of storytelling. And and I that is so intrinsic to me. I am a storyteller and I love telling stories. And so it taught me how to research and write and offline edit and all those things. So it's such a gift. What was it like being so young and becoming a household name? Everyone knew who you were. You would have been invited to lots of events. How did you handle all of that? It was overwhelming. And I think initially, I mean, I'm really grateful for my dad putting me into acting classes when I was a kid because I think first and foremost because I just never shut up and I think he was, he'd run out of ways to answer my questions about my curiosity of the world and all those things. He's like, let's use that energy in a positive way and put you into classes. <laughs> and so um, uh, I think that's sort of what kicked it off. And so that gave me a little level of confidence. But yeah, I mean, it, I'm not going to lie. It was very overwhelming. But I think because I was so young too, I think I sort of didn't really know anything else. So I was fortunate in the sense that I was just very green and I could just I had a good team around me and I had a producer for the first six months of the show teaching me sort of, you know, and getting me confident. Because when I started, I was very acting and very performing. And as you would know, that's not the best approach as a presenter. You need to be more relaxed and you need to, you know, be that really kind of, yeah, that storyteller um, from a different perspective. So I had to, I had to sort of unlearn how to be myself, which was very deep in itself, but, um, 
Yeah, I think I just, my dad always said to me, you know, I think it's great that you've got this job, but always remember, be cool. Like, don't get a big head, you know, don't get overwhelmed by it, just be cool. God, it sounds like your dad gave you so much advice and your dad was like a real mentor for you early on. What did your dad do? My dad works in the music industry, so he worked for a long time. He was 2IC of Sony Music, and so he worked in that industry, and so I think he was, I would kind of always be going to events with him. I would be around performers, but he always had this really great groundedness about him. He still does, and he works in music now overseas. He works in licensing and publishing, but I just always really like his approach to things. Like, you know, he's definitely had some tough times, but he's such a hustler. He just... He creates his own opportunities and he just keeps it real. And I think he's really instilled that in me. So I've always just, yeah, tried to be cool, like, about things. You know what I mean? Just not be a princess and not get crazy about things. Be grateful and gracious and aware of the people that are around you. And I think that definitely helped to keep me balanced through all of those crazy times. Yeah. How did you go, being so young, how did you go sort of not believing your own press at the time? Because it would have been exciting seeing yourself in magazines and seeing, you know, that's a lot to handle early on. It is a lot to handle. And I think, um, again, I think definitely my dad was a really great guide with that. And I think the team that we had as well, we were all kind of, you know, we were all mates and we were all in it together. So we had a really nice support system. Uh, I mean, I think it definitely at times it would not so much sort of buy me into my own hype, but I think I would, it would definitely make me, you know, second guess myself at times. And as you know, Katrina, the lens is on you. It highlights everything. And sometimes that's, you know, you kind of, Oof, it's a lot to see yourself like that and to get used to your voice and see your image and all those things. But I think, yeah, having good people around me was really helpful and just being raised in the right way to not get a big head. <laughs> yeah. What other opportunities did Totally Wild lead to during that time for you? I actually auditioned for Neighbours um, and I got down to um, the final two for a role on the Wow. Show. Yeah, and then I didn't get it so I was devastated. Um, but I understand why now, because, you know, I was, I was mapping out a different path, which I didn't know what that was at the time, but I, I see it now. Uh, so it presented things like that. And then it also, you know, presented other opportunities in terms of, uh, writing and teaching. I taught at NIDA for a long time. Um, I wrote a lot of their presenting courses for them. And so it really opened up things like that for me. I did a lot of commercials and voiceovers and, um, and just that ability to tell stories in different ways, it really opened it up for me. And then, of course, you know, things in the magazines and stuff like that, but that's, that's not really the juicy stuff. I think what, what was great for me was the option and the ability to tap into different elements of my creativity and, and mm. the art of storytelling. That was what was really, really exciting for me and still is. Yeah, yeah. And being, you know, I I keep going back to being young because I know for me, when Mm. I was 15, I desperately wanted to be working in the media, but I don't know that I would have been ready for, I definitely wouldn't be ready for some of the opportunities that um, I have now, for instance, because I still cared so deeply about what other people thought of me. Like it took me a long time to shake that Mm. um, and to sort of 
bravely put myself forward without the fear of what other people would say. Um, did you ever deal with that or were you just, you know, because of your solid background with your family and, and having those good people around you, were you sort of shielded from that a bit? Do you know what's really interesting hearing you ask me that question? I'm, I'm sort of realising that I've actually, in the last 10 years, I've been going through it more. I think Totally Wild whipped me into such a frenzy so quickly, so young. I didn't really have time to think about that. I had to, you know, I had to learn how to produce four-minute segments for national television. I had just had to get focused, you know. And so I think once I stopped that, I did that show for 10 years, and then the soul-searching began. And I think I, the things that maybe I'd been ignoring and things that were struggles for me had been pushed down. And it was in the following decade that it was this kind of massive um, awakening and shift for me. And so I, I kind of did it in reverse. And I sort of did the whole getting married older thing in reverse too. Like everybody gets married when they're young and have kids. And I didn't do any of that. I went the other way. I got married you know, older. So it's, um, I think we all have a different journey, but uh, I definitely have been through those struggles. But I think it just, initially, I didn't have time to think about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because you just were wrapped up in this juggernaut. You yeah. Knew, yeah. <laughs> to sink or swim. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And a lot was expected of us. You know, it wasn't just fronting up and talking to camera. We we did the whole process, the researching, the writing, the producing, all of that, you know. So it was it was very it was a very busy time too. So it it didn't really leave a lot of space for that, which it definitely came out later. <laughs> so, so ten yeah. years is a really long time. What, yeah. How did you know when the time was right to go? What what sort of came about that when you knew it was time to leave? I think I was going through such a shift. Um, personally and you know things that had sort of happened when I was younger and growing up and my parents divorcing and all those things I think it sort of finally started to surface and so it just it just sort of started to hit home then and I think it was really just a time of something just didn't feel right anymore and I think my creativity had I think I'd sort of capped it with that show not to say that it's not a brilliant show, but I just, I knew there was something else in me and I knew I wanted to tell stories, but I had this calling and this this drive towards fashion and I just I always did. Even when I was on Totally Wild, people referred to me as the fashion girl. It was, my nickname was, I like to shop a lotus, like, a, like an animal, <laughs> like Gina's name, because I just, I loved to shop and I loved clothing, I loved fashion, I loved stories of fashion. So I just kept going back to that and I just wasn't feeling that I was done, you know. So I think that sort of started to surface and then I went through a tough time in a relationship and so that kind of brought up more stuff and then I learned to meditate and then that just changed everything. And yeah, so, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh, incredible. So how old were you when you discovered meditation? I was 30. Yeah, and, and what what led to that? A really bad relationship, and um, just a really toxic time in my life. And I think, you know, talking about confidence, I think I was definitely lacking in self love. And and as I said, Totally Wild kind of masked that for for quite a while. And 
In a way, I'm glad it did because I could just be young and enjoy myself and be creative and have fun. So I'm glad that I got that. And I'm, I'm also glad that I went through the bad stuff because it got me to where I am today. And, you know, oh gosh, by no means am I done. I'm still learning stuff and things are still coming up and I'm still processing and all those things. But, but yeah, I think that was, that was the real catalyst that just kind of made me go, wow, okay. So did you hear about meditation from someone or did you read about it? Like how did that come on your radar? So funny little story. I was just, you know, kind of in the crux of this toxic relationship and I was actually sitting in my street with my dog. I was just sitting on the footpath very quietly by myself. The sun had gone down, but I was, I was crying. And this um, lady walked past with her dog and her dog wanted to meet my dog. And we got chatting and as it turned out, she lived in my street, but we'd never seen each other before. And she asked me, was I okay and what was wrong? And we got chatting and she said to me, have you ever tried meditation? And I said, yeah, I have, but it doesn't work for me. I've tried all different sorts and it's just not right. She said, have you ever tried Vedic meditation? I said, no, what's that? And she said, well, if you like, you can come along to a talk that my teacher, uh, Tim Brown, does every Monday. Oh, wow. And mm. you know Tim, and um, yeah, and and yeah, and so I went to that, and it just made sense. And when I did the the ceremony to get my mantra, because a Vedic meditation is a mantra based meditation, which is the the mantra isn't really a, a word in our language; it's a Sanskrit word, and it's just intrinsic to your mind and body type. And he picks that word specifically for you. So when I got that mantra, and I learned, I started to learn the process with him. The first two weeks, it was just like phenomenal what happened. All these past memories, all this past hurt, all these awarenesses all just came up and it was like mini explosions, but it was so healing. And to this day, I don't think I would have been able to create the things that I have if it wasn't for meditation. I wouldn't have the relationship that I have now with my beautiful husband if it wasn't for that. You know, oh my gosh. Like you have to do the work. You have to look at the stuff that hurts. You have to look at the stuff that struggles, you know, that, that you have with your confidence. And, you know, I still have them. But meditation yeah. is just such a gift. So I, uh, I also do med- Vedic meditation and I, I studied with um, Gary Goro oh, uh, a couple of years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone wants to Google either Tim Brown or Gary Goro, and there are so many different great kinds of meditation, um, but for me Vedic really just resonates Good and time. having a mantra to as a place for my mind to rest as absolutely. an anchor point and really know, helps. Absolutely. And do you know what I think, especially in this in these busy times and these crazy times and these really disheartening times, it's it's such a tool to just to rest. And and I love for me, I'm such a control freak with myself. It is the one time where I can just let go and whatever happens, happens in that 20 minutes. It's not about being a good or bad meditator. It's just about getting in the chair, so to speak, wherever that may be for you and just doing it. And there's no pressure and there's no judgment and there's no rules. And it's just, it's made me so creative, honestly. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and you have anyone who's ever been around you, you have just the most beautiful energy. You mm-hmm. just draw people to you. Yeah. So we should talk about so post um, discovery of meditation. Is that when you moved overseas? 
Yes, I went overseas for a little while and, um, well, I went overseas before meditation. So after I left Totally Wild, I went, so I was born in England and I went back to England to just have some time off, you know, and enjoy the city that I was from and see my family and all those things. So I spent a year there and then I came back and got stuck in that terrible relationship and then went, um, found meditation, thank goodness, and then um, kind of mid-20s, I think it was 2013 or 2014, I went to New York. I had an opportunity to go over there with work. So I was there for a year and then um, ever since. Gosh, let's not skip over this. What's it like <laughs> living and working in New York? I think that's every woman's dream. Oh, it's incredible and I, I want to go back and do it again. So it's um, it's it's just crazy, I think. It's talking about confidence again and, and, you know, becoming that being that really believes that you can do something is really powerful. And I think I definitely go in and out of that still. I have moments where I'm like, yes, I'm going to create this and I'm going to do this because I deserve it and it's going to happen. And it does, you know, and then you sort of, you do that, you pick that goal and then it's like sometimes you forget, you know, but um, I'm, I just, I had this vision of, because I'd started my work with the Salvos by then, I had this vision of some things that I wanted to pitch to the team in America. And as luck would have it, I'm not sure I believe in luck, but I think, you know, the opportunity presented itself for me to be there for six months and work with the Salvation Army over there and open a boutique and do all of that, um, which was incredible. And it was every day I would be like, how am I living here and doing this? This is, yeah. this is just insane. Unfortunately, the Salvation Army wasn't ready for my vision, though. I think they were kind of a bit overwhelmed by it. The, the Salvation Army over there is very different to the Salvation Army that we have here. So it, um, it, kind, of, it kind of stalled a bit, but we'll see what happens in the future. But I, I know why I had to come back, because I had to marry my husband. Before we dive into how you launched or or rather you created this career for yourself, this heart-centered career, I do want to, because, you know, talking about romance is so, like, I love it. How did you, how did you meet Lee? And you talked about meditation and how you don't think you would have the relationship that you do now. So just talk a bit about that for us. So when I broke up from that toxic relationship, I once I sort of, you know, did a good bit of healing and spent some time on by myself, that was really important because I'd kept jumping from relationship to relationship. So I made sure I just stopped and just had nobody in my life, just me, and just really worked on myself. I unintentionally one night was cleaning up my room and I found all these photos of past relationships. And up until that point, I'd been telling myself that I was bad at relationships. Nothing works with my relationships. They always fail because that's what I'd seen happen to my parents, right? So mm. I didn't even realize I was doing that. But in this moment, and I truly believe it's because of meditation, I had that awakening of, wow, I'm creating this reality. I'm telling myself I'm bad at it. And then I looked at the photos of each boyfriend and I thought, okay, what was good about that relationship? What did I learn about that? And then I ended up energetically thanking every each person and and just kind of setting them free and going, thank you for the wisdom, you know, 
I take responsibility for my part in this because it's not always, it's not just one person. You know, we accept things that we shouldn't accept. And so I kind of really had that huge awakening. And I feel like energetically I shifted something and I kind of I broke the curse or I, you know, I got the wisdom. And so wow. I was just four months later, I met Lee and I was just, I met him through a friend and he just kept saying to me, you have to meet this guy. He's a boy version of you. I'm like, no, please, I'm not interested. I'm happy by myself. I don't want to be in a relationship. I'm all good. But Lee was just different. And thankfully, I finally listened to my friend because now we're now we're married. Um, but, hmm. yeah, it's just crazy how it happened. And I think initially the thing that was different about Lee is he just, everything he said he was going to do, he did. He's a man of his word, you know, and he's just, he's loyal. And that's what I was missing. I was missing that. Just those simple things. I thought all the beautiful things were important. I was missing what was actually important, which was the things, how that person shows up for you and how that can really elevate how you feel about yourself and how you feel about that person and how you treat that person. So he taught me so much. Looking at this through the lens of confidence, it takes a lot of confidence to own your part in failed well not not necessarily failed relationships but relationships that didn't work for whatever reason and also to own the good in the bad to look at the shadow as well as the light and I think that takes a huge amount of confidence to sit with that absolutely and I was not good at that in my 20s I was not good at admitting I was wrong or that I played a part or it was my fault it was always their fault but Upon reflection, it's my fault for not loving myself enough and not having enough confidence to say, hey, don't treat me like that. I don't deserve that. So yeah. I fully accept my part in it and and I really get the wisdom now because I look back at that girl as in me back then and think, wow, I don't know who that was. But I also love and appreciate her because she was just doing the best that she could. Yeah, not beating up on yourself for things that you've done in the past because, as you said, you do the best you can and when you right. when you know better, you do better, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. It's a powerful journey, I tell you. <laughs> it is. <laughs> if you sign up for it, it is. <laughs> it's also a wild ride. <laughs> yes, absolutely, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, uh, I, I, need a, I need to lie down when I think about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, in your fabulous Victoriana outfit. Correct. Um, (laughs) Hey, we should talk about the transition now to the incredible career that you have literally dreamed up for yourself because nobody else was doing this. No, there was no template for this. So how did that come into being? Oh, it's just such an amazing journey, I swear. And I would never have predicted if you'd said to me, you're going to be an eco stylist, I'd be like, what? What is that? Like 10 (laughs) years ago, I wouldn't have known what the hell that was. First of all, meditation definitely opened me up and it finally gave me the courage to believe that I could be paid to do what I love. Because I think, again, love my parents, but I think they, or my mum specifically, never kind of has believed that she can be paid to do what she loves you know it's like there's this whole sort of I see in that generation and I see it with my stepdad too it's like this belief of well you just get a job that pays the bills and you know you just you just do that and that's that's good that's good enough but that was never good enough for me I wanted to do something that lit my soul on fire you know it's like 
I, I could feel this thing in me and I didn't know what it was. But I think that job was the perfect reflection of me following my bliss because even when times were tough, I would go op shopping. I, if I was happy, I was sad, I was whatever. Fashion and op shopping and thrifting and being creative, that's my happy place. And so I started, you know, creating these outfits and people would ask me, wow, where's that from? Well, that's beautiful. Is that the designer? And I'd say, no, it cost me 10 bucks from the thrift store. And it was actually my best friend um, that said to me, you need to start a website and, and share that. And then as I started that and that started to gain interest because of my media background, I knew that it would be helpful if I could speak in that space and try to position myself as an expert because really I'd been doing it all my life. It just didn't really have a name. <laughs> so I pitched the idea of doing a, like a DIY segment to the Today Show and they loved it. And then they asked me to come and do another segment. So that was when I just rocked up to a salvos and I said, can I borrow some clothes for this segment that I'm doing? And it was the marketing manager, lovely man at the time by the name of Freddie Chu, who said to me, what else can you do? You're an interesting individual. Um, and so this was at the time when I just met Lee too and I was like dipping one toe in to the concept of I can do a job that I love. No, I can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and, he, and he was the one saying to me, babe, just try. Why don't you just try? You don't know. Just ask them. And so I sent them a proposal of what I thought I could do for them. And they called me the next day and said, we want to hire you. We don't even know quite what the position is yet, but we want to hire you. And so we've just developed it over time. And I just have this kind of, it's almost become bigger than me now. It's like it's its my dharma. It's my purpose. This is what I'm meant to do because it's not just about me. It's for the greater good. So oh, it, how just, glorious. it just drives me. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a problem sometimes because I don't know how to put it down. But um, I just love it. Just love it. Love what I do. Such a blessing. Anyone who follows you on social media, and if you're not following Faye, I highly recommend that you do because your content is just, it's beautifully done. Mm. And I often wonder, gosh, how much time do you spend doing this? Because it just looks so incredible, the production values and the ideas behind it are so just gorgeous. Um do you find that because it is a real passion for you and you do feel that it is your purpose, do you find it hard to not, you know, be doing it all the time? Firstly, that's a huge compliment coming from yourself because you work in that space and you're a wonderful storyteller too. So that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Um, yes, it is very hard to put it down. And Thankfully, my husband Lee now sees what I'm trying to do with it, that it's not just about clothes, and he's really interested now. So he, because he's a very spiritual person and he sort of has a greater mission as well, so he is very keen to kind of work on it with me now, which is really great because we get to be creative together and we get to tell beautiful stories together, whether he's on camera with me or he's helping me shoot it. It becomes playtime for us too which is really good and I think again coming back to meditation you would understand this it allows you to tap into your intuitive self and so I never really have to sit there and push for an idea to come to me it, they just turn up they turn up because like yourself you know how to ask the right questions or you will ask something that will trigger something you know so 
with the topics that I do for the wardrobe workout, I, I really try to naturally let my guest and I come to what the topic is and it has to be something that we're both connected to. So I'm really enjoying that process of uncovering the stories. But, yes, I do get sore hands from editing and <laughs> holding the phone and all those things. But it kind of feels, yeah, it's it's bigger than me. And it's I see how much it's helping people. So that really drives me as well. People are really resonating with the stories. So Yeah, let's it. talk about that because in terms of building confidence in other women in particular, but also men, mm. um, what, what has been the feedback? What have people said about your work that helps them? It's been so overwhelmingly beautiful. It brings me to tears sometimes, honestly. Um, you know, people will say things like, I was feeling so lost and I was feeling like I didn't know how to work through this time. But seeing you be creative and seeing you tap into beauty and story made me want to do the same. And it's become this kind of collective healing. It's it's crazy. It's just, it's so not just about fashion. It's really quite mystical, actually. It's weird. Um, so comments like that all the time or just they're really grateful that I've enabled them to educate themselves more, especially with what's going on with, you know, everything with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and, you know, being able to tap into to these moments in history that are really uh, an opportunity for us to step up and change the way we see things. And so I'm trying to educate myself and so I'm really wanting to share that with my community. So they're really grateful for that too because they're getting an education but the resounding overarching feeling is that this power of the being like the power of pretty I talk about and not just a pretty face, the power of beauty and the power of clothes and how they can transform how we feel, that's been the overarching uh, comments that come through, that it's healing people and it's making them feel better. I mean, how incredible is that? I've been lucky enough to see you in action at one of the Salvo's boutiques styling women and you have the most incredible eye for putting things together that I just never would have thought to do. So you you, uh, you play around with shapes so you put oversized garments on women and then, you know, you um, you use belts and you use um, necklaces as headpieces and all kinds of things. Where, where and how, like what's your intention? behind that and and how do you get your ideas? I really have my mum to thank for this because she grew up in a very poor family in England and they didn't have much and what they did have they really valued but it enabled her to develop this incredible knack for making something so insignificant, small, inexpensive, look like it's from Vogue. Like I would watch her as a child. She would transform these things that she would find in op shops. And she's more on the kind of interiors and gardening and sort of home styling side of things. The fashion has more come from my dad, I think, um, or just something that's intrinsic to me. But seeing my mum do that instilled that concept of, ingenuity and and being thrifty and being creative because it was playtime for me as a little girl seeing her do that and so I think when I went through a time of you know I didn't always thrift because it was fun I definitely went through a time where I had to thrift because it was all I could afford so I I guess unintentionally sort of tapped into what my mum had taught me of you know be creative like see things in a different way and 
thrift stores for me, they are just this giant playground. You know, all the rules go out the window. It doesn't matter about size, doesn't matter about brands, doesn't matter about gender. You just play and see the possibility in what's in these stores. And so I really want to teach people that because it is really, first of all, creatively really freeing, but it's kind of got a deeper meaning, right, about just seeing things as, as one and seeing things as, as possible and allowing people to start to develop that reuse and recycle mindset because Lord knows our planet needs that. So the more that we can be creative with what we have, I think it's great for the planet, it's great for our creativity, it's great for our inner child and our soul to have fun and play, but it also saves you money and there's just, to me, it's endlessly cool what you can do with that. So that's a real driving force to show people that because there's so many benefits. And with your um, your concept of the boutiques for the Salvo stores, not only has it been incredibly successful and raised well over a million dollars in one year, I believe, for the Salvos with all the boutiques around Australia, but you have elevated the shopping experience for anyone walking into a thrift shop. A thrift shop. So for people who, you know, they have, for whatever reason, circumstances, they have that, that is their they go to shop it has empowered them with so much dignity to be able to walk in and have a beautiful shopping experience and you've also taught some of the staff at Salvo's how to style. I love that word dignity that's such a nice word because I, I think you know people in the past have judged thrift shops you know that's for poor people or you know that's like old stuff you only go there if you don't have money or it's not cool or all that stuff, I'm like, that just fires me up so much. I'm like, no, you're so wrong. So, um, yeah, it's been an absolute joy to take a part in raising that perception. And so, first of all, that only that not only brings more money to the mission of the Salvation Army, which is to help people going through things like domestic violence and homelessness and drug and alcohol addiction, natural disasters. So those stores... 100% thrift that mission, um, support that mission. So it's really important for that reason that we try to elevate and get as much bang for our buck. But also a lot of our staff members are volunteers or they don't come from a retail background because we're, we're a different retailer. You know, we're not just a shop. We're, there's so much more. There's a great sense of community and there's a lot of different people that, that come to us for different reasons. So they need that help and they need that support and it's been so amazing to be able to empower them to play with the stock that they have and see the possibilities in it and you just you see their confidence change you see them kind of be like oh, look what I made Faye or they'll send me photos or look at my shop or and it becomes this really beautiful deeper meaning you see you see them kind of grow into themselves more it's very cool. Oh, it's so amazing. Now I've got a few rapid fire questions to throw at you cool. uh, for the rest of the interview. Do I need a helmet? <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's like Chanel inspired. <laughs> <laughs> totally right. uh, now the first one that I would love to know is what is your quick confidence hack? What's a, a piece of wisdom that either you would have loved to have told younger Faye or that you would love to impart to anyone who just needs to reach for a bit more confidence in their life right now? I love the power of red lipstick, to be honest. That always my, changes my state. But I think 
going a little bit deeper and on a more of a sort of um, spiritual sense, I think it's really powerful to just take a breath. I stomp my feet on the ground. I know that sounds strange, but then I just say, you know, you are enough. You deserve this. You got this. So it's like I try to sort of Dr. Phil myself. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just have a little moment where I just actually speak to that girl or speak to that child and just whether it's in the mirror or just to yourself or under your voice, just just say you got this, you know, and why don't you deserve this? Of course you do, you know. So just I wish I'd known that more because I definitely lived way too much in my head and just really was tough on myself. Um, so I wish I'd known that one because that's a really good one. It's funny you were talking about stomping your feet because I'm not sure whether you know, but when that whole fight or flight thing kicks in and um, our body becomes flooded with um, the the fear hormones, that a good way of getting rid of it, if if you've got stage fright or whatever, is to move your body. You've got to get it out of your body. So you can either stomp your feet or I once worked with a TV presenter who would pace the corridor before he went on set. it's a really good way you could shake your hands of just getting those fear hormones out of your body. So you're wow. just intuitively doing that. That is so cool. I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I would love to know what you do for pure joy. What do you do that doesn't have an outcome attached to it? I tend to my plants. My plants are my absolute little green angels. And the craziest thing is I used to kill everything green. (laughs) I don't know what has happened, but I am literally working on jungle domination in my apartment. Thankfully, my hubby's into it as well. But nothing makes me happier than making cuttings, planting, cleaning their leaves. It's like a moving meditation for me. And I love seeing them grow. They're just such cool little beings. I have asthma. They've improved the air quality in our apartment just incredibly so. So that's a huge joy for me. Um, mm. I love just going for walks. And I'm really grateful to COVID for this because I used to walk and then I stopped because I got too, in inverted commas, busy. So I have been going for these walks and I have no agenda I don't even know where I'm going to go I just let spirit birds whatever guide me go down this street okay what's down that street and I've found all these different paths that I've been going on and I've seen things that were actually always in front of me and I never noticed which is sad right but I'm glad that I have that realization now so those walks for me are just beautiful and I always come back with an idea or I just feel better in myself. Love. How exciting, mm-hmm. taking little adventures. Yeah, totally. Is there a book, and I know you've probably got quite a few, but is there a book you've read or even a favourite inspirational quote that's helped you on your way in your confidence journey? I'm actually reading a book right now which I started reading and I stopped and this was definitely something was a bad habit of mine. So I've set myself a goal this year, finish the book. <laughs> it's called yeah. it's called The Seat of the Soul by Oh, Gary. I've read that. Have you? Well you've done that yes. I'm halfway through. But I love the concept of the ship and the little boat and how the ship is your soul and the mothership, you know, and it's 
if we have the courage to follow that ship, it will guide you. And if you ignore it, you'll come off course, you know. So I just, I think that's genius because it's tapping me back into the concept of our light and our intuition um, and all those beautiful things. So I'm a big fan of that book. I think it's Gary Zukav or Zukov, um, and it's Oprah's favourite book as well. She has it by her bedside. So you know you're onto a good thing if that lady's so keen on it. Um, (laughs) And then quote-wise, I have so many, but I also really love, this is one of my favourite ones. I don't know who said this, but faith is the bird who sings when the dawn is still dark. Oh, my gosh. And I think that's really beautiful. That just gave me goosebumps. I love that quote. Goosebumps never lie. Ah, (laughs) So, all right, we've had such a beautiful, beautiful conversation and, oh gosh, I just, I love getting to know more about you because ah, you've just had such an interesting life and, and an interesting journey getting where you are today. But I'd really love to know what does the future of confidence look like for you? What are you working on in yourself right now that will take you to where you next want to be in your life? Great question. Um, COVID has been a real eye-opener for me as well because it's given me the time to look at the things that I wasn't looking at and also to start the things that I wasn't starting. So um, there's a few projects that I'm working on that um, I'm really excited to dive a little bit further into and I think this is kind of bringing back my teacher self and, um, you know, just being inspired by what you're doing too, just with offering your wisdom in a, in a training sense and but from obviously from a, a styling perspective. But I think it's taken me some time to tap into the confidence of that, which has been really interesting that you should reach out because I think there was part of me that was like, well, I can't, I can't charge people to teach them what I know, can I? Like, just So that's been a real journey for me. So what I'm trying to sort of work on now is just, you know, believing that and, and really supporting myself on that and not being scared, just give it a go and, and see what happens. Um, and there's kind of offshoots of that that I want to explore too. So, yeah. And that's a funny thing as women, I feel like that's a particularly female problem that yeah. women really struggle with articulating their value and their worth and charging for it. Yes, big time. Yeah. I don't know what that is exactly, but it's definitely something that I feel as I move towards new projects. Once I establish something, I'm like, no. I deserve this. Like, this is great. But it's it's the kind of, it's the big sky stuff, like the real big dreams that I'm kind of musing on that I go, oh, I'm just too big. I can't do that. So <laughs> I, I'm still really trying to, trying to grow into these new ideas that I have. I'm excited by them, but I'm still also a little overwhelmed. So it's very timely. You should reach out with your beautiful message. So thank you. Well, thank you, Faye, for everything that you do for women and also for charity more broadly. You've helped raise, your ideas have been responsible for raising so much money that have gone on to then have a ripple effect helping so many people in the world. So thank you so much for everything you do and thank you for sharing your wisdom on confidence today. That's such a nice thing to say and it's an absolute pleasure, my love. 
Isn't Faye just a beautiful, inspiring woman? I love what she just said about goosebumps never lying and how having the courage and confidence to pay attention to the little tiny clues that life gives us has opened up a brand new career door for her that she never believed was possible. I really encourage you to go and check out Faye's incredible creative work over at Fashion Hound TV or you can follow her on Instagram. Her content is amazing. And I have to admit, I wasn't a big fan of thrifting before I met Faye, but she's really made me rethink my views of the secondhand economy and be a lot more mindful of the impact of my dollar. And you can check out one of the Salvo's boutiques the next time you're passing by. You will be blown away by Faye's work and the styling overhaul that she's put in place. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. I'd be so grateful and screenshot this episode and tag Faye and I on Instagram. We really love seeing where you are listening and also what's resonating with you from the episode. And share with anyone you think could benefit from hearing about Faye's reinvention story. Maybe they're going through their own reinvention and how having the confidence to listen to your heart can lead to a new life you love. Over at katrinablowers.com, you'll find this week's show notes where I've got links for everything we've mentioned today. I hope you're having a great week. Thanks so much for listening to Claiming Your Confidence.